Well, believe it or not, we are coming to the conclusion of our study on Lucifer and a faith that failed. I hope that you have learned a little something. I hope that you have been challenged, and I hope that today's message will encourage you. Uh, we, we began our time looking at uh, God and angels. You know, where do they come from? What are their purposes? What do they look like? Uh, you remember we learned the word uh, creaturely? Has anyone used that in a sentence in your day-to-day life? I have. Someone asked me recently, I go, how, you know, how are you feeling? I said, well, I'm feeling kind of creaturely today. And they looked kind of at me like, you know, some of you are. But we realized that, that God created everything that we know, including the angels. The angels are created creatures that are unique apart from us. We are created creatures as human beings and everything we know in our world. So we are all the same in that we are creaturely. There you go. There you go. We are creaturely, but we are all not the same in the purpose of our design and in the abilities that we may uh, possess. Angels know more than we know. In part, they've been around longer. Angels are stronger than we are. Uh, Angels have abilities that you and I do not possess. However, one of the things as a child of God that you possess that the angels do not have is the ability to know what it means to be saved, to be born again. And for those that followed Lucifer in the fall who do not have a pathway back, they are forever apart from the love and the presence of God. You and I, even though we were apart from God in our sins, have, can be redeemed. And, and that is something that the angelic host cannot proclaim. We've looked at Lucifer. Last week we looked at the five eyes to his failure. And really it boils down to what? Pride. It boils down to pride. The middle letter in the word pride is I. It's that eye disease. And Josh, you did a great job in Sunday school. You know, when we get eye disease, whether we're unsaved or saved, problems happen. Problems happen. Whether we're, you know, in our marriage, if we get eye disease, my bride is sitting here, and if I get the eye disease and all I think about is me, on all fronts at all times, my bride and I are eventually going to have a problem. And so pride was was the birthplace of sin, and sin is the curse of our existence for a while. Today, we're going to answer the question and look at the topic of defeating the devil. Can we defeat the devil? We absolutely can. In fact, he's already defeated. Amen? And so we can celebrate in that, we can walk in that, and we can be participants in that. So let's go ahead and get started. Let me set the stage for you. Excuse me. I enjoyed the rain. Anybody here enjoy the rain? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I was here Friday, you know, in my, in my office studying and having some hot tea, and I thought to myself, this just might be one of the greatest days I've had in a long time. It's chilly, and it's rainy, and you could hear it on the roof, Ronnie, and, you know. No, I had too much work to do to nap. Yeah, no, I had, no. I had too much work and too much caffeine, but, uh. It blew in some sort of allergen, which, you know, whatever. That's why I'm drinking double today. Someone brought me, someone brought me coffee. That could happen today. Just prepare yourself. Someone brought me coffee, so I have to graciously consume that, right? Or I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be good. And now I have this. So let me reset the, uh, the, the scene for us. Jesus, being born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, which we don't, we don't get a lot of information about 
Christ's early life prior to his ministry. And then he comes to John the Baptist in the southern part of the Jordan River, down by Jericho, where the children of Israel came across uh, earlier to be baptized of John, not for the forgiveness of sins, but for the public proclamation of his obedience in following the Lord. And he's baptized there, and immediately the scripture says in Matthew 4, and that's going to be our base text, immediately then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He didn't get lost. He didn't go on a three-hour tour that turned into a four-year TV show. You know, it's funny because some of you have no idea what that means. Now, for those of you who are new here at the ALF, just understand there's levels. There's levels, man. You, you never know what you're going to get. But Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And as a man who has been privileged to visit the Holy Land, this is what the, the, the wilderness looks like. Now, this is real wilderness. This isn't glamping wilderness. This is some real wilderness here. And you don't go there other than you're guided there. And this is what they call the Mount of Temptation. Now, this mountain range is the transition from the, the uh, oasis that is Jericho into the wilderness. And this mountain range here uh, is believed by tradition where Jesus went. The Holy Spirit led him, and he spent 40 days up in this area and in the caves that, uh, that are are common in this area now one of the things about this this picture is taken from the city of Jericho facing the north northwest um, and one of the things that I always like to point out is that monastery that's built right on the side of the hill there now I'm going to tell you what I don't know who envisioned that but it's really cool I don't know who had the uh, the engineering to do it because it's been there a long time but uh, they're there, and uh, unfortunately now they're down to one priest. There's only one monk that remains of this group. And he has not been down off that mountainside in, in decades. The last time he came down was he had a medical emergency. And I had the privilege of meeting him. And I have every confidence that he'll live the balance of his days there and will be laid to rest there in the monastery. So... What I showed that, you know, not to tell the story of the monastery, but to show you that this area in which Jesus was taken into, this is rugged. This is not hospitable for human existence. And he was taken there, what? He was led by the Spirit. God led him there. Sometimes God leads us to some arid places. Why? Because he has a purpose. And so just like the first Adam, the last Adam met the deceiver in the wilderness. Now, you may not be familiar with that phrase. What does it mean when we say second Adam or last Adam? Those are interchangeable. And you ask such great questions. So I want to give you the answer to that question. So when you hear that phrase spoken, the first Adam is our spiritual ancestor, Adam, who was created and his bride was given to him to Eve. And he named that woman, he named Eve woman because he said, whoa, man. be here all weekend thank you thank you very much but we know that the first Adam and his bride succumbed to temptation and through that temptation sin has been the birthright of everyone since 
You and I, the scripture says, are born in sin. We are sinners at birth. It is not a choice we make. However, if you've ever had a child or been around a child at about the age of three, you know they choose it. You don't have to teach children to have a sin nature. It just comes out natural. And then some just hold on to it all the days of their life. But anyway, that's a, that's a different sermon. And so we have the first Adam. Let's look in Romans. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, the first Adam, death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. The Bible says, what? That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you know what all means? Even in the Greek. All means all. That means everyone in this room. Me too. You know, I used to think I was wrong, but I thought I was only mistaken, but then I realized I was a sinner. Verse 18, consequently... Just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation of all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. Justification means being made right. Through one person, everyone were made sinners. Now through a second person, the last Adam, Jesus, we have the ability to be made right or righteous. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, that's us. So also, through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many may be made righteous. John 3.16 tells us this, what? For God. Why did God do it? Because he's God. Can I, can I say this? I, I'm going to say it. This might be my last sermon. If I were God, I don't know if I would have done it. My son sits right here, my, my namesake sits right here, and I love him, and I'm, I'm prouder than him that I know how to express. And would I give my son for you? Woo! And then give you the right to say, ah, no thanks. I'm telling you this, if I were to give my son for you, mm, yeah, you're, you're going to receive him and you're going to follow him, whether you like it or not, Right? So what I'm saying is that God so loved the world, who is that? That's you and me, that he gave his one and only son, the second Adam, born of a virgin, sinless life, atoning death, glorious resurrection. Why? Why would God do this? That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The first Adam gave us the birthright of death, through our first birth, but through Jesus Christ, based on faith, we can be born again. I remember an old evangelist once said, if you're born once, you'll die twice, but if you're born twice, you'll only die once. Through Jesus, we can be born again. Here's a question for you today. Have you been born again? Have you met Christ on his terms? in full acknowledgement and understanding of your state the bible says for all have sinned we already agreed that we're sinners but it says for the wages of sin what we earn by that sin is death eternal separation from god what but the gift of god what is salvation now the the difficult thing here is this is we inherited sin by doing this and then followed by because some doctor slapped us 
That's why we all sin. First thing we happens when we get born, people slapping us around. But the second birth is a choice. It's a choice. You have that choice. Like I said earlier, you have the choice of saying, Jesus, uh, no thanks. It's your choice. But there's accountability to choice. You can say, Jesus, uh, maybe later. That's better. The problem with maybe later is this, is you don't know how long later is for you. The Bible says, for today is the day of salvation. Why? Because this is the day that we have. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, if you've never been born again, my friend, I can't encourage you enough to do that today. I would love to talk to you about that before you leave this place today. It would be my privilege to talk to you about that today. And so through the first Adam, sin arrived. Through the second Adam or the last Adam, Jesus, salvation has been made available to us. And I'm so thankful for that because I'm a benefactor of that salvation now let's look at Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, what? To be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Can you imagine? I mean, how long does it take you to get hungry? It all depends on what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Then how long does it take for you to get hangry? Have you ever been hangry? And that hangry, that's a bad place to be. I'm so angry. Why? I don't know. Someone bring me a burrito. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Temptation number one. If you are. <laughs> the adversary comes to the son of God and he goes, hey, if you are really who you say you are. If you are who you want people to think that you are. Have you ever had someone challenge? You know, I, I love to tease guys all the time. I'll tell them, man, you're not half a man if you don't, you know, you know, just, a, you know. But can you imagine coming to the Son of God with the audacity to ask him if you are? Well, we see that there were three temptations here. First, there was a question of Christ's position. If you are the Son of God. Now, wouldn't it be easy for Jesus to go, oh, yeah? Well, let me show you something. Now, guys, I know none of you have ever done that. You're all sanctified and, you know, you've been spirit-led all of your life. There's never been a time in your life where somebody questions if you are and you go, well, let me show you how are I am. But question his position as son of God. I just want you to know this. We as men will throw punches for far less Secondly, he questioned Christ's power. If you are, then turn these stones to bread. Now, I don't want rye bread. What's up with that? I don't want pumpernickel. What a waste, you know. But he says, he questions his position. He questions his power. I, well, you know, I don't really think you can. How many of us have had how many of us have had that hey watch this moment in our life? Yeah, yeah. Oh, now Jimmy, now you're just getting personal. Third, there's a question of his purpose. Now Jesus had to decide why cuz he's all man and all God and his humanity had to decide had to decide, am I going to show this punk who I really am? 
or am I going to follow the Father's purpose for me? Because those two were not in parallel. Can I say this? Your pride and God's purpose don't typically parallel each other. And so at this point, Jesus has to decide. Am I going to follow God's purpose for me? Or am I going to follow my own ego? In that moment, ladies and gentlemen, our salvation hung. All of these call to the pride of Christ's humanity. We have to remember, Jesus is all man and all God. You see, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think, well, you know, listen, Jesus is 100% man. He's all man, less the sin. And he has pride, he has ego, just like you and me. And I want you to know the adversary came right to the root of it. I've always found it interesting that this was his first pitch. Go straight to the pride, why? Because pride goes before a fall. Pride will take us to places we never intended to go. It'll cost us a price we never intended to pay. Pride is a dangerous place. When we allow our circumstances like pride, fear, anger, embarrassment to dictate our actions instead of following God's will, we sin. How many times, myself included, God forgive me, have I done something and I go, well, you just don't under... No, God didn't tell me to be obedient so long as, you know, everyone understood. God called me to be obedient. Even when my pride might be hurt, even when I might feel, feel fear, even when I might get angry. Well, pastors never get angry. Sorry. Uh, or embarrassed. What dictates our actions? Is it our emotions? Is it our feeling? Is it our circumstances? Or is it God's calling in our life? You are the pilot of that plane. When you follow these things, instead of following God, you give them the authority in your life. You hand over control. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, if you recall early in our study of Lucifer, one of the things we highlighted is this, is that Lucifer likes to make it sound just right enough. You see, the challenge that we have here is that Lucifer is quoting Scripture-ish. And so Jesus' response to him is with Scripture, Deuteronomy 8.3. Look what John says. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? And Jesus' response is this, what? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Lucifer is tempting Jesus to do something and Jesus' response is to quote scripture, why? Because food for Jesus is to do the will of the Father. Now I want you to know, I hope you've experienced, there is nothing more satisfying than walking in close harmony with the will of God. Man, when you turn your mind and your heart and your hands into service, you can go a long time before you're worrying about a burrito. 
I've been a lot of places where food falls way down here. I've been places where you get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and two Pringles and you call it dinner. I tell you, I've been to places where the physical food is not what we, we experience here. But the spiritual food is a banquet beyond belief. And you can experience that. You don't have to go overseas to experience it. You can experience it right here. But Jesus says there is something that feeds him. There's some sustenance for him that's greater than bread. Physical bread. Man-made bread. What? It's to do the will of the Father. And my friends, if you will simply strive to do the will of the Father, you will find yourself being fed on a regular basis. Then the devil took him to a, the holy city, Jerusalem, <clears throat> and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. And they, they believed probably from the point of the, the peak of the temple to the Kidron Valley below was about 500 feet or more. A pretty good span. And he tells Jesus this, if you are the Son of God, uh, there we go again, if you are the Son of God, he said, then throw yourself down. For it is written, he will commend his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus, just take a swan dive because God's got you, right? If you are who you say you are, then surely your father won't allow you to even bruise your heel. What would I do for my son? What would I do for my children to protect them? Anything. Let me tell you what I do to protect your children. Anything. We have security shepherds right now making sure that you are safe and secure. And you know what part of that responsibility is? Is what would you be willing to do to make sure the sheep are safe? Whatever it means. And I want you to know as your pastor, that's how I feel too. Whatever is necessary. Lucifer looks at Jesus and says, well, if you are, your daddy will take care of you. Go ahead. Take that base jump. Look at Psalms 91. Again, the devil is quoting scripture-ish. See, he's actually quoting the 91st Psalm. He says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. Well, that sounds about right, doesn't it? But there was a little bit of an omission. In all of your ways, they will lift up, uh, they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You see, the challenge that we face is this. Jesus rebukes him and he says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. The challenge that we face is this, in all of your ways. Let me say this without sounding harsh. When I was a young man, my father took me downtown and he drove me around the High Five, which was the county jail at the time. And the arms are hanging out the windows and I have no doubt it was plenty toasty up there. I still don't like to go up there. That's a creepy place. How many of you guys have ever been up there? Yeah, it creepy. Even in the daylight, it creepy. And my father told me, he says, son, he says, you see that? And I go, yeah. And he goes, you know what that is? I go, no. And he goes, well, that's the county jail. I said, okay. And I began to think to myself, why are we here? And he said, if you ever do something to get yourself put in there, 
I will leave you there. Does my father love me? My father's on the other side of that camera right now and my father loves me. But my father also knew me. And he knew I needed something to help counterbalance that scale when I was considering a very bad decision. So yesterday I told you I went to a hockey game, right? And I, I, I had work to do and I left straight from here to go to the hockey game. So I didn't have any other people to account for. And I had dinner between leaving here and the hockey game. And so I was free to roam as I saw fit. And my eyes and my mind and my stomach immediately affixed upon something that I cannot have very regularly. It's something that my bride doesn't necessarily enjoy partaking in. And so all that afternoon and even on that drive, I was talking to Brother Buddy on the drive and I said, man, I am committed to making a very poor decision. Will it be regrettable later? Probably. But the regret later is not enough. And I went and I dove elbows deep into Long John Silver's. Oh, yeah. You didn't know. Oh, yeah. Can I have some grease with a side of grease? Yes. And you can just stuff a little chicken in there. Now, listen, listen. When I go to the doctor and she says, listen, you really could afford to lose a few pounds. It's not my doctor's fault I could afford to use a, lose a few pounds. It's because I make terrible choices like Long John Silver's. And what we see here is this. Far too often, the world wants to make their choices, but they don't want accountability for it. They want to use God as a get-out-of-jail-free card, as it were when they make terrible choices. Let me, let me help us understand this. Terrible choices have terrible consequences, but God will love you in spite of it, and he will walk with you through it, and you know what? He'll even make a rose bloom in that cow pie if you give him the chance. I walked through a legal situation with a dear friend years ago. He made a terrible decision. There was a consequence to be paid, and my counsel to him as I stared through that glass was this tell the truth own your sin and pay the price because only when we own our sin are we ready to change who we are and to God's glory and that young man's glory he did exactly that and there was a price to be paid and he paid that price but that man is walks closer with the Lord today than he ever did before because he owned what was going on and so what Satan was tempting Jesus with was this you do what you want to do and you just and you just make God take care of you it is our sin when we place ourselves in situations where we know we're not in God's will you remember those things called choices when we make choices and we put ourselves in one of the most unhealthy meals you can buy that is my choice that is my sin right we sin when we put ourselves in places of sin and then sin and expect God to bail us out. Now God will walk through it with us. But the Bible says in all of your ways acknowledge him. And when we choose to go do our thing, that's not acknowledging him. And when we choose that, we bring sin upon ourselves and we place God in a place of... Uh, that that's he's he's not supposed to be however 
However, there's no safer place than in the center of God's will. You know, I get asked, you know, Jeff's over in Kenya, and then we had a team over in Nepal recently. And you get asked when, you know, you're doing these things. Well, I mean, isn't there danger? Well, I just want you to know there's danger anywhere you go. Amen? I mean, where is there not? You know, we live in a society today where red lights are just suggestions. I think, I, I think the colorblind number of people in our world must be going up because they don't know what red mean. They don't see it. But my friend, when we walk in harmony with the Lord, unlike this temptation, it's the safest place you can be. And you say, well, well I mean, what if, what if you lose your life? Well, for me to die is gain. You know, first of all, everything that I have is his. Why? Because he died to save me. Second of all, this, the, the place I want to be is doing what God would have me to be. And if in the pursuit of that, my life may be forfeited by whatever, <clears throat> then guess what? Hello, heaven. <laughs> you know, don't threaten me with a good place. The safest place we can be, morning, noon, and night, 24-7 is walking in the will of God and not tempting him by going and doing things that we know he wouldn't have us to do. Third, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Christ was being offered a shortcut to being shortchanged. <laughs> I'm sorry, that cracks me up. Just give me a second because it cracks me up and I need something to drink. Huh? The adversary offers a cheap knockoff of what Christ already owns. Jesus, I'll give you everything this world has to offer. Okay? Jesus is God, the creator and the sustainer. He, he owns everything. He owns everything. So I, I'll tell this quick story because it's really funny. Oh, I'm going to have to get real quick. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll just not do it. Anyway, <clears throat> but it's really funny. But Satan offers, huh? Yeah, okay, all right, all right. I'm gonna do it real quick. Okay, I'm gonna do it real quick, I'm gonna do it real quick. So my bride and I, for our daughter, for her graduation, bought her a cash car. And she owned that car and she drove that car and she got every dime of that cash out of that car. And you know, she got married and she, they were ready to get a new car. And my daughter calls me and she goes, Dad, we're, you know, we're wanting to get a new car, blah, blah, blah. Fine, hey, you know, you're grownups, do your thing. And she goes, well, we were wondering if you might like to buy my car from us yeah for for mom to drive and I and I said well honey I said let me first say I applaud you for your courage I said let me make sure I understand you are in you are giving me the opportunity to buy back the car that your mom and I bought so that mom can have a car she was well yeah yeah and I'm like I don't no, I just don't see that happening, you know. But this is the this is the lie that Lucifer, Jesus. If you'll just take a knee for me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. Well, first, what does that measure up in the light of everything else? 
and all the kingdoms on this earth, guess what? They're on the shot clock. They've got a life expectancy. There's an expiration date. There's coming a day sooner than later than all the kingdoms of this world. But, you know, if you'll just, you see, he was trying to give Jesus a shortcut. What a nice guy he is. I'm telling you, Lucifer loves to give us shortcuts. Oh, man, but the toll is way high. If you will bow down and worship me, Jesus, if you just take a knee, how many times? Just one time. This is what I know is when you take a knee one time, it's easier to take it the second time. One of the greatest illustrations of this is take yourself a, a paper clip and straighten it out once and then put it back, bend it back, and it gets easier. And you know what happens eventually to that paper clip? Dun, 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 dun. Jesus, if you'll just take a knee one time. Now, see, here's the problem. First of all, that's all that Lucifer ever wanted was to be God and to be worshiped. He says, Jesus, if you'll take a knee, I'll give you the glory without the suffering. Everybody wants the crown without the cross. But you see, that's not the way God's plan was. And greater than that, for me personally, is this. If Jesus took a knee, then there's no salvation offered. We're hopeless. You see, Lucifer didn't bother to let him see the whole contract. It's like when you download that new app and it says, do you agree to these terms? Well, yeah. Jesus, if you'll just take a knee one time, I'll give you all this. Romans 1.5, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. The created, Lucifer, was inviting the creator, God, to worship him. Hmm. What a novel concept. And this is where I need to take this opportunity. May I say this? This is my father's world. And I want you to know I recycle. I try to do what I can. I don't litter. I pick up litter. I turn lights off. Ask Josh. Josh, do I turn lights off? I turn them off when he's sitting in there. You know, I figure he's had enough power. If you come up here during the week, the only light on is Josh's office and my office. We don't, we don't burn the little four-year light. We, why? Because we want to be good stewards. We want to be conscientious, right? But my friends, we should be conscientious of our environment. We should be conscientious. However, we must be very careful that we don't worship the creation in lieu of the creator. Far too many in our world worship the creation and abandon the creator. We should be some of the most conscientious, caring people in the world because we understand that this is our father's world. And so I just say that to say this. <clears throat> we just need to be very careful that we don't substitute the creation for the creator. We only worship the creator. Amen. All right, let's go. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Third temptation, 
There are no shortcuts to the will of God. My dad used to say, if you've got time to do it over, you've got time to do it right. There are no shortcuts. If we want to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. First Peter tells us this, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. My friends, every day in this world is a little bit of suffering. Amen? Sometimes you wake up, and you know, if it, like me, it takes, I have to wake up in parts. You know, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care. But every day that we walk in this life's journey, there is suffering associated with it. But the Bible tells us that but for a little while, and then amen, one day heaven. So let's look. <clears throat> Satan said, uh, had, had said nothing about service, but Jesus knew that whatever you worship, that you'll serve. It's really easy sometimes for us to figure out what we're worshiping. Let's look at what we spend the greatest amount of time and effort on. Worship and service go together. The devil was defeated but not deterred. Consider the passages. So the devil took a licking, but he kept on ticking. Look at this. In Luke chapter 4, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left until what? An opportune time. He didn't throw in the towel and go, well, that's eternity for me, folks. Satan via Peter attempted Jesus to abandon the cross. Look what he said. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And then he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside. I love this. Jesus, hey, I'm going to take God aside and give him a little coaching up. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. Never shall we allow this to happen. And Jesus said what? Get thee behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in your mind the concerns of God, but merely of human concerns. The people he loved, the people closest to him, Peter, the most vocal, said, Jesus, this cross thing, not happening. Jesus says, get behind me. Why? He heard a familiar voice. And then through the crowd that had been fed, John, uh, John 6, 15 tells us this. Jesus, knowing they, had, they intended to come and to make him king by force, withdrew again from the mountain by himself. Jesus had led in the feeding of the 5,000. Now their tummies are full, and guess what? We want Jesus to be our king. Well, that's a good thing. But the problem with that was, is what? It wasn't God's time for Jesus to be king. And Jesus, knowing the hearts of man, would attempt to derail the plan of God. And he slid on out. One victory never guarantees freedom from another temptation. In fact, in fact, it might get a little harder. However, every victory gives us courage and endurance for the journey. After Jesus had defeated Satan, he was ready to begin his ministry. Why? No man has the right to call others to obey who has not obeyed himself. That's called hypocrisy. When we call people to do what we ourselves are not willing to do. And unfortunately, we the church sometimes wear that badge 
pretty proudly. Our Lord proved himself to be perfect in his kingship, perfect in his sovereignty, and worthy of our respect and obedience. Jesus proved he was who he claimed to be, even before the cross. And our adversary, Lucifer, he's formidable, but he's defeated. He's defeated by Christ. We defeat him through Christ. And we defeat him for Christ. Amen? Last thought. We must choose to walk in his ways. To walk in the light of his word. And we too, we too can defeat the devil. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for this day, and Lord, we thank you for the hope that is found only in you. Father, we thank you for victory over a worthy adversary. And Father, I pray today for each and every one of us, beginning with myself, Lord, that you would give me the, the vision and the courage and the, uh, the desire, Lord, to, to stay on the path with you. Lord, I'm just a man. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, just like my brothers and sisters. And Lord, the adversary seeks to destroy me, just like he seeks to destroy others. And Father, I pray that all of us will walk close to you. Father, that we'll walk in the light of your word. And Father, that just as Jesus defeated the temptations by the word of God, Lord, we too shall defeat our temptations by the complete, authoritative, perfect word of God. Not man's interpretation, Lord, not our feelings on it, Lord, but what you say. Father, let us live by your word. And by living in your word and by your word, Lord, we can have victory. Father, we thank you so much that you chose not to take a knee. We thank you so much that you, you didn't choose to take a shortcut. Father, we thank you so much for the cross of Calvary where every sin of humanity is marked paid in full and where everyone and anyone can come to be saved, to experience the second birth made only available by the last Adam. And Father, we thank you for the cross, but we thank you more for the grave. For if the grave were not empty, then we would be empty of hope. But on the third day, Lord, but on the third day, you validated everything Jesus said and did. And we thank you for that. Father, I pray blessings upon your children. Father, I pray that you would guard us and guide us. And Lord, I pray that we would find our hearts and our minds and our bellies full of the food that only serving you and knowing you can provide for us. And Father, in all these things, we ask that you and you alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.